You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. everybody welcome back to the in the dome podcast now we got some logistics to go through what is this night you said this is episode number what this is episode 98 i believe 98 so what we're going to call this we're going to call it episode one of season two um if you've been listening and you've followed us throughout season one you're coming into season two now uh we just announced that you might have heard you might have not we're actually joining the hockey podcast network so things will shift a tiny bit. There are sponsorships now. Um, so we're going to do our best to add in, in a creative way, some of the um, ads that you'll be hearing on the podcast. And But we'll try and make it as fun as possible for you listening. And um, I think it should be an exciting thing. We will have access to more guests. Um, what else? It'll be sweet. Just the quality guests, yeah. more reach, more podcasts. we got to do more every week, so... Yeah, and then it'll, it'll be better for everybody. It'll change our strategy a bit. It should be a win-win-win for listeners, us, and everybody else involved. It cool. sure will. I was trying to think of any Flames players ever worn the number ninety-eight, and they don't, no nobody has ever worn that number, which is super lame. Huh. Interesting. Do you remember when Burke came in and instituted that no numbers below thirty above thirty-five thing? What the hell was that about? Like Burke is he, he's kind of like. Completely hit or completely miss. Eh? It's like there's not really any gray area with him. Like who gives a shit about that? Anyways. Okay, so today we'll get into a bit of the NHL news first, and then there's an article which is kind of like the latest Calgary Flames news that we've had access to. We're gonna break that down. We're gonna debunk it because it's basically Eric Francis talking about how great Jeff Ward is and how great Jeff Ward's system is and how great it was for the players and how great it is and how great they're gonna be and great, great, great. It's great. It's going to be great. They're going to win the Stanley Cup, don't you know? Basically, they're automatic contenders because Jeff Ward's the coach. Automatic. Okay, before we get into that, I think the latest thing, TSN was covering it. Um, there's a stalemate right now. We don't know when the, when the season's going to start. At first, they said January 1st. The latest thing I heard is they still want to want to uh, start the season in January sometime, maybe mid-January. I don't see how it's going to happen. You got... <laughs> There's a stalemate between the owners and the players. How in the past, if you look in the past, how has it ever um, been a situation where uh, an agreement is made in a very short window? Oh, dude, never has happened. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a PA and a league that have been through how many lockouts and how many stalemates and how many goddamn arguments. Like, So, I mean, obviously it's unprecedented at times, but to hear that today, that they're at a stalemate, when you're like 30 days away from your original start date, it doesn't sound well. No, it doesn't. And I mean, honestly, it's a bad look for everybody. Like, I mean, come on. Like, most folks are at home going through a terrible financial time, and then you got these goddamn billionaires and millionaires arguing about millions of dollars. It's like, come on. 
us poor peasants, we sit at home, we're dying for some entertainment. Just get it over with and get this show on the road. Yeah. Now, where the stalemate's at, it sounds like the owners... Because here's the thing. Last last season after the break, when the pandemic was, was in full force, um, you're totally missing out on ticket sales. Now, they're obviously going to get some revenue generated from uh, television, but like, how big of a blow was it for the owners to finish out the rest of that season without any fans in the building, especially during the playoffs. Oh, I know, totally. But I, I think the thing is, the owners are milking this shit for all it's worth, right? Like, they're going to milk the players dry right now, being like, oh, we lost all this money. Ooh, dude. It's like, sure you did, but these are the NHL owners. Like, they've tried to screw the players how many times in the past? So I definitely think there's some shady shit going on. Okay. And then, because what they're saying now is, oh, well, maybe the owners might say they can't, they can't do it. They can't go through the season without any revenue being generated and still play all these player salaries. Um, so I mean, I think there's some validity to it. Like I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of I see both sides. It sounds like you're you're more on the side of you know the players' court, um, but obviously I don't. You know, you don't have access to these owners' books. Like like how much did this 2020 you know pandemic season hurt? Hurt their checkbook. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm sure it was bad, but I mean they did get this CBA done. But I mean right now, honestly, I do think that is the biggest issue. Is that it is really a public relations battle right now. Like it's kind of going to be a bad look. Like especially when the NBA has settled this shit already, and then you've got like again, like I said, billionaires and millionaires squabbling over this. Like it's going to be a bad look. They need to get it done. Yes, regardless, but- like they need to get it done because like again, millionaires, billionaires. Most of us are sitting at home. Lots of people have lost their job and are losing money, and then you've got these dipshits whining and crying. So yeah. we'll small, see how long small. this goes, but I think the longer it goes, the worse it looks for both the players and the owners. Small, small business owners are taking a huge hit. Yeah. Um, but I think, to be fair to the NHL owners, the biggest difference between the NBA is the the contracts for the television deals are... Yeah, that's out, true. They're not even close. Like They're worlds apart. The NBA makes yeah. a shit ton of money. Um, from television the nhl doesn't they're supposed to on these new upcoming contracts in the upcoming years it should be different but they don't they barely make they don't make much on television to be honest so barely anything so i mean we'll see i guess but i mean all i know is the owners are trying to defer player salaries and like raise escrow stuff so i mean again i if i'm a player that doesn't sound like a great deal to me but yeah just get it done they they so they may push for a cancellation of the season so they don't have to pay out contracts and then I heard there was some rebuttal from the NHLPA um, saying that well that would be an, an illegal lockout but there's a stipulation in the contract where it is legal because there's a pandemic forcing their hand so mm-hmm. like you said it's not a good look I mean we and like I said previously when we've seen it in the past when they start to have these little stalemates it doesn't typically usually end well for the fans no exactly it's like nobody wins and we lose the most right it's ridiculous the customer <laughs> all right Ugh. um so hopefully now again it's unprecedented times so maybe things will be different than what we've seen in the past i hope they are there's obviously a lot of incentive for you know both sides of the situation to come up with the deal soon and quick. I think they all know that. 
So let's just hope that we see some hockey here soon. All right. Eric Francis, your your buddy, your pal. Your buddy, your pal, our buddy, our buddy and friend. We invite Eric to come on the show anytime he wants. Eric, we want to roast you. Come on the show. Let's have a throwdown. Let's throw down this gauntlet and have a showdown with Eric Francis. So Eric Francis, when was this, like a week ago that he uh, launched this or posted Yeah, this? like November 24th. Okay, so Eric Francis came out with an article. He was talking with Jeff Ward. There's quotes in there all about Jeff's Ward system and how great it is. And I don't know. We're going we're gonna, to, from our perspective, debunk this article today because there are some good points I found at the end. Uh, the first half of this article just had me kind of irate. Um, and then the second half is like, well, I can definitely get behind that. But we'll go through it. We'll go through the article bit by bit. Um, but before we do that, let's just look at Ward's, some of the metrics from Ward's, under the team under Ward's watch last year when he took over. Yeah. Um, a decent regular season uh, record. He ended up 25-15-3. and three. What did they go on? Was it a nine-game win streak when he took over? They had a seven-game win streak. One seven, seven in a row. So now, obviously, there's you'll have to look at the last year's season in two parts, right? Under Bill Peters and under Jeff Ward. And then, obviously, a third part is the playoffs. But the team itself and the players' individual statistics, especially shooting percentage, um, and then especially if you want to look at the top line – as a unit, which is really important to do because how the top line goes, the team goes. Yeah. But under Bill Peters, everybody stunk, especially the top line. And there was some great articles. That, was it The Athletic that was put in about the shooting percentage? Yeah, there was a lot of articles just like, okay, they may be sucking, but I mean, this should turn around eventually, right? Yeah. Like, by all metrics, their shooting percentage, the team PDO – Every percentage of luck was like, holy shit. Like, there's no way this is going to stay going forever, especially with guys like Gaudreau and Monaghan yeah. and Backlund, too. Which, if you look at the second half of the season, regardless whether it was still Peters or not, rang true. Those numbers started to even out. And then some of the other underlying metrics, as well as team numbers, wins and losses increased. So, um, there's you got to look at the season in, in kind of two different lenses there. Yeah, and I think that's the question, like, okay, so there's kind of two threads here. Why we're talking about this is because heading into this season, I think the most important uh, determinant of the Flames' success is what how Jeff Ward is going to deploy his players. Yeah, and, that's been two, our, and that's been our biggest concern yeah, coming exactly. into season two. And then, I mean, the, the main question, I think, because, again, like, the, the results are there, right? Like, they played much better. They played much better under Ward. They made the playoffs. They beat the Jets. They sucked against Dallas, but... I mean, you can't argue with the results, but I think the the main question, the sub-question in that is, okay, were the team's improved results in the second half of the season when Ward took over strictly due to percentages and like players like Gaudreau bouncing back and going back towards the mean and like finding their game again, which like they were obviously bound to do with their horrendous start, or was there something that Ward implemented that improved the team. I would say it's probably more the former. Yeah. And yeah, I think you, that's what you, we're going to get into right if now. If you look at some of the statistics from last season, um, possession-wise, chance creation, yeah, they were 
they're abysmal. Like the first half of the season, they were terrible. So when you're looking at the types of players that we have on the team and the year prior when they were outstanding, regardless of who the coaching was or if there was a coach change or not, there's no way they're going to stink for that long. Like it was exactly. it was just a matter of time till they found their game and regained their form a bit. Yeah, totally. Like that's just the way things go. Regressing to the mean. Like that's pretty much exactly what happened. Again, especially like if you look at Gaudreau, Mon three guys specifically, Gaudreau, Monahan, Backlund, like they turned they finally got it turned around in the second half of the season. And then I think the other thing is too, is like, okay, you combine that with the strong goaltending down the stretch from Cam Talbot. Yeah, and it's like those are probably confounding factors in terms of like Jeff Ward's success. Could, so yeah. I think the thing to look at that we're just going to kind of examine today is like, okay, what did Jeff Ward do to make this team better versus what just like was going to bound to make them better because of the players on the team? Yeah, because if you look at the season as a whole, even under Jeff Ward's, their possession metrics didn't increase that much. Their chance creation wasn't didn't change much. The biggest difference from a metrics perspective on our ward was something not related to coaching, which was players capitalizing on more chancing chances, shooting percentage going up and yeah. then save percentage. The goaltending was better. So that's individual performance. And then uh, players shooting percentage going up another yeah. individual performance. So looking at those metrics, like they don't point to, you know, the style and play and what ward changed. Like, um, I think the only thing I can point to on a team level that I think changed a little bit was, like, actual shot creation. Like, if you look at metrics in terms of, like, quality ch shots, the Flames were taking less shots in terms of volume and more, like, quality shots. Okay, so, so an ar mean, argument could be made, right? It's a yeah, so there's that. Play. So there, And that's kind of, that, that harkens back to the Glenn Gullitson era. Like, I know that's something Gullitson was, was a little more... Um, focused on as opposed to when bill came in and he was more of a possession guy like i do you remember like i, I remember gullison all the time was talking about you know like and and to an extent i agree right like you don't just want to be firing pucks like that's kind of been the carolina hurricanes uh mo for like when bill peters was there evidently um but i remember gullison was very focused on like creating on holding on to the puck and creating high quality chances, quality over quantity. So I think Ward kind of falls into that same mentality. But I think the main thing, and I, we, we'll get into it with this article, is this goddamn obsession, focus. Everybody's talking about how great they were defensively, how Ward implemented this defensive system that worked so much better. He didn't fucking do anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, they let's were get, worse defensively. Let's get into the article. So the the title of this article itself kind of sets me off right well the flames, title got me all excited flames ward looks a lightning blueprint to revamp calgary's game plan the reason why it didn't get me excited because i knew what it was gonna mean <laughs> i was like "Ooh, yes please copy the lightning no i already could see between the lines so let's get into it um we'll just kind of read some of this much like he did leading up to the playoffs he'll emphasize defense above all else now, if you listen to Get us through, fuck out of here. If you listen to us throughout the season, you have two completely different results from the eighteen nineteen season when you literally. Okay, here's what blows my mind. Literally, you finished in the top two in the league, behind only the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
in 1918. So doesn't that kind of say something that your style of play was similar to the lightning? Like you were, you were up there. <laughs> then you compare it to last season where, well, no, there wasn't very much similarity between the two teams. If you ask me, one was awesome. And won the Stanley cup, one was God awful for most of the year and average for the rest of the year. So if you listen to us, you know, leading up, you know, in the, during season one, um, we this all comes back to when Ward took over mid, in mid in the middle of the season last season. He came out with some comments, which comparing his this Calgary Flames team to the eighteen nineteen season when they finished second overall, finished first in the West, tied a franchise record for wins. All they could do is score. All they could do is win. And then all of a sudden they got punked in the first round of the playoffs. Actually, very similar to the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Yeah, true, right. They and- also got punked in the playoffs. Uh, four games instead of five to Jackets. Blue Jackets. Um, now, we'll get into it in the article, but how much did the Tampa Bay Lightning change their game plan and change their model um, between the last two seasons? Because Ward is suggesting here that they did a big revamp. They completely changed because they weren't good enough to win in the playoffs, and now they did. They won the Stanley Cup. So whatever they did differently must have worked so if it worked for them it should work for us well i don't think the lightning did anything differently in terms of a system and again i don't watch the tampa bay lightning very closely but i mean the thing ward references when he talks about like like again this is what bugs me okay and i mean when coaches and articles are written like this this is just like so lazy and it's it's not real analysis and it's not like what jeff ward is saying it doesn't really it's, it's empty because, okay, what he said was Tampa understood they needed to be a harder team to play against. What are you talking about? Like, if you want to say we're going to emulate the Lightning's defensive system and then, like, go through how the Lightning changed their defensive structure and how they changed how they play in the neutral zone, which I don't know if they did very much of, but they did do a little bit of it. From what I've been reading, the Lightning have kind of adjusted the way they played in the neutral zone, kind of similar to how the New York Islanders play in the neutral zone. Um, they kind of adopted like a one one three four check. So maybe there's that element. But I mean, when he's saying they understood they needed to be a lot harder to play against, well, get the fuck out of here with that. I'm so sick of that shit. And then the other thing is, he really cha- John Cooper really challenged his top-end guys to change the way they play to be a better team. Are you serious? Come on. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning? The Tampa Bay Lightning changed... Braden Point, Nikita Kutrov... Anthony Sorelli all changed the way they play from the year previous, and that's why the Stan- the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. No, I'm sorry, I reject that. Now, that's that, that that that's saying nothing. He's just saying the same old dumb catchphrases. We need to be harder to play against. We need to be harder to play against. Okay, well, what does that mean? Explain that to me. Walk me through that. What is the adjustment you're actually going to make? And where does it translate into a um, some sort of type of measurement, right? Like right? what was the team was the Tampa Bay Lightning team better defensively um, last season than they were in eighteen nineteen? Okay, I've got the I've got the eighteen nineteen season pulled up right here in terms of expected goal rates. The Tampa Bay Lightning were the fourth best team in terms of in terms of ex- allowing quality chances against last year. The okay. Flames were ninth for reference, so they were excellent last year. The year they got swept, so they were excellent this year. You're talking about last year. You're saying is eighteen nineteen. 18-19, they were excellent. Fourth okay. best in the league in terms of uh, chances against the Tampa but Bay But the Lightning. season just passed, 
Yeah, this year they were fourth. They're exact same place. Okay, so the so the lightning did not change, and that's my first initial thought of like I don't really think the lightning changed their style of game of play much, did they? And no, they didn't. You know so what the lightning changed? What? They added Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau to the third line, and they became a dominant third line. They added players who are good to their team, which we've been saying forever the Flames should do. Oh, wait. <laughs> Maybe they, they kind of They did. actually addressed the team needs on what yeah. they really needed instead of just never-endingly picking up more defensemen, more defensemen, more defensemen? Exactly, and that's what bugs me about this article and what Jeff Ward is saying. Because, again, like if you've been listening to us, we weren't— my main focus right now is like, okay, I'm willing to give Jeff Ward a chance and give him reign to see what he can do with this team. But, I mean, from what he's saying already, it's really discouraging. We need to be harder to play against. It's like, look at the Lightning. They're harder to play against. No, they fucking weren't. Yeah. They just added to their team. That's what they did. Yeah. What he what he's saying now, he's doubling, he's tripling down. Yeah. In midseason last year. quadrupling. In midseason last year, he came up with this ridiculous statement that said, you saw what happened referring to 18-19 when we tried to be a scoring team. You had a record-breaking regular season, but something went wrong in the playoffs. So now, and we've talked about this, you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and instead of continuing to do all the things that gave you success, you're going to stop doing those because you just want to focus on the one thing where you feel like the area where you needed improvement was. Well, and I think Why can't thing... you do both? Because yeah, exactly. what, what you're saying is that it's not like the Tampa Bay uh, started focusing on shoring up team defense, defense in the defensive end. They made a small tweak in the neutral zone, which we sure fucking didn't. People, you look at the Dallas series, <laughs> anybody on the team, probably even the head coach could have strapped on some pits, some skates, was allowed to walk into the zone. Like we Exactly. Apparently we had no cognition of well we should probably you know create a gap and not let people enter in the zone like some teams do that phenomenally where the defensemen don't let you in the zone very easily people can just walk in like we can probably walk in backwards if they wanted to is ridiculous well right and like that's the thing that i keep hearing and like i mean there's quotes in this article and there's quotes flying out there about how and you remember him saying like they changed the defensive system heading into the playoffs right like that was his big thing right and he was doing all sorts of weird shit with, like, starting to draw in Monaghan in the defensive zone so much. And Yes. But, like, it didn't work. Like, I don't I don't get where people are saying, oh, they were so much better defensively against the Stars and in the playoffs. No, they, fu- they were fucking terrible. And this is what concerns the hell out of us because they, when we he came back in the, reg- in the originally last season when he came up with this statement, you saw what happened when we were good. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, he's saying you saw what worked. <laughs> I think I said this last year. Ward is basically saying um, what's going to work is what doesn't, and what doesn't work is what works. And that, well, to, and me, it, that yeah. to me scares the hell out of me because just like in this article, they think they're a good defensive team, but by any standard of measurement in today's metrics, they're not. Well, okay, and they let's, weren't in yeah, the playoffs. Let's look, at, let's look at Jeff Ward's defensive metrics after he took over. Okay, so goals against per 60 minutes – slightly went down from when Bill Peters was here, but it was higher than it was in the 18-19 season. So I mean, this is defense you're talking? Yeah, this is like some defensive metrics. Shot attempts against per 60. The Flames were allowing a lot more shot attempts against with in Jeff which, Ward. With Ward, okay. 
So almost upwards of four shot attempts more per 60 minutes than under Bill Peters and almost tenfold than last year. So that metric alone and so leads if, you if, to believe that the defense was better in the 18-19 season. Exactly. And then expected goals for per 60 was the worst it's been in over any of those times. 2.65 expected goals or 2.45 expected goals against per 60 minutes after Jeff Ward took over, which right. was worse than when Bill Peters was the head coach this year and worse than last year. So, again, like, that that's where I'm kind of miss. I, I guess I'm missing something. I don't know, maybe. Well, this is <laughs> maybe why they're so missing con- something because, like, all this talk about how they were so much better defensively and they really emphasized defense, it's like, no, they weren't. They were terrible, and I think it's because he was trying to force... I don't think. I pretty much know. It's because he was trying to force a square peg into a round hole. So when he says things like in this article, when he says, look at Tampa, their top players are responsible away from the puck. Yeah, Tampa Bay's top players are great two-way players. Braden Point is... Sean Monahan is not Braden Point. Johnny Gaudreau is not Anthony Sorelli. Those guys are great two-way players. If you want to play that way, you've got to go and get a guy like Braden Point or Anthony Sorelli. You can say all this stuff. I mean, this all sounds good. I would love if Sean Monaghan could be more defensively responsible and could drive play and could make, and could start in his own zone and move the puck up the ice. But, I mean, we've seen it, and yep. they can't, right? Like, if you're going to keep Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau and Elias Lindholm together and play this way, I don't think it's going to work, Jeffrey. And, and here, it's shown it hasn't worked. And here's more evidence. If you look at Patrice Bergeron, for the first half of his career, was he terrible defensively? And then now he just all of a sudden is like the best defensively no. centerman. Same with Ryan O'Reilly. Was he absolutely horrendous for his first yeah. half of his, his career in his own, own end? No. Like, it's not something you just miraculously become the best at just because you work on it. Either you have it or you don't. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, this article, it's, it sounds good. If you read it and you're kind of just like a casual Flames fan and you like, and I, I don't mean that like in a, in a negative way, like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But I mean, it, it sounds good, right? It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, we're going to be just like the Lightning. We're going to model yeah. our oh, game like that. Ma- all, all we need to do is make sure Monaghan and Gaudreau are better in their own zone. But if you've watched this team for any extended period of time, 23 and 13 are the worst defensive combination you can imagine. Period. End of story. Right. And so that doesn't necessarily have to be a problem as long as you can rely on them executing their strengths. But what's happening now in this situation when Jeff Ward comes in here and says, okay, well, we're going to change the way these guys play. Yeah. Is that you right. now you're taking away from their strengths. You want them to focus more on their weaknesses instead of... So now what's going to happen is you're going to... Everything is going to become more average and more mediocre across their line. As their defensive slowly, your, their numbers maybe get a little bit better, then their offense is going to drop off. And that's what we saw last season. Again, like if, I don't know how many times they have to say this. If you want to play this way, you have to have the personnel to play this way. Because yep. I think if you look <laughs> at Go how... The play. If Jeff Ward wants to execute a certain team, then he's got to talk to his general manager. And the general manager's got to get him the players to execute exactly. that style. Like... And again, like for all this talk about how how much it worked, like I think Francis has this quote in the article where he says, the Flames' defensive play was markedly better in the playoffs, reflecting the coach's revamped approach. It's like, 
what did you watch? Like, did you watch the same playoffs I watched? Okay, I've got some stats from the Flames' absolute annihilation against the Dallas Stars. Dallas out, the the high danger chances for. Dallas had 53, the Flames had 37. I mean, when you're giving up, what, 60% of the high danger chances? I don't think it's an accurate assessment to say your defensive game was markedly improved. No. Do and, you? And there's there's... Obviously, in today's day and age, there's two aspects of the game, right? You got the, they call it the numbers, the statistics, the metrics, and then you got the eyeball test, right? And there's no way team defense passed either one of those tests against that in that Dallas series. What I saw was you had the Flames get up in these leads, and then Dallas started to say, okay, well, we're going to turn it on now. We're just going to keep coming in waves. And it was just like, the ice was completely slanted, and you knew it was just a matter of time. And yeah. if and if and if that time didn't come, then you fluked out. Like that second was it the third game we won? Yeah, the third game we won when Talbot got the shutout. Yeah, two nothing. It was kind of like nobody in their right mind was like the Flames deserved to win that game. The only reason why they won that game was because Cam Talbot was unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I which is I never think, a recipe for long term success. Which I mean, now I'm hearing this, and with the Jacob Markstrom signing, I'm starting to get concerned that they're just like, let's just do it and rely on Markstrom to be insanely good. Which scare again like, oh, scares Jesus the hell Christ, out of me. Why it scares the hell out of me from the top down, even going up to Bradtree Living, because Bradtree Living obviously thinks the same along the same lines as Jeff Ward. They just need to get better defensively, and then they're going to win the Stanley Cup. And it's just like, dude. From our perspective, all you needed was that one guy that can take your top six to the next level, make you even that more dangerous. And then there's there's no team that can keep up with you. Like we talked about this in 1819, the best defense is to play the entire game in the offensive end. Right? Well, that's why they were so good. Like if you look at all their numbers from 1819, like I, I don't think there's any I, I don't think there's any way you can deny the correlation between their absolute dominance in the offensive zone and their great defensive numbers. Like, they controlled the possession. They controlled the share of expected goals. Exactly. Like, everything they did in the offensive zone kept the— Like, that's what I loved so much about what Bill Peters had them doing in that first yeah. season. It was like, if they got stuck in their in their zone, they were a five-man unit that moved the puck out of the zone immediately. They never got caught. Like, how many times did you see them this year, especially in the Dallas game— they just get hemmed in their own zone because they're playing that passive style of game where they're just like, okay, we're defending the house. We're falling back to the net. We're just going to try to not allow them to get a scoring chance. And it doesn't work. When you're active and trying to get the puck and move the puck up the other way, like it works so well for that team, especially with the defense. Like that's kind of what my main exactly thing this right now is like, okay, your defense is built. When you bring in guys like Noah Hannafin, you've got guys like Rasmus Anderson. All of these guys are great skaters. They can move the puck very well. It's like, why aren't you playing to their strengths too? Like, as much as we talk about how they're not playing to Gaudreau and Monaghan's strengths, like, you're not really, like, you've got, this season you're going to have Valimaki, like, some really great skaters and puck movers. Valimaki, Anderson, maybe Shillington, a guy like Nestrov, and then obviously Noah Hannafin, and I mean, Gio can still do it. Like, why not go back to that system where you're you're so active in the defensive zone and just focused on moving the puck up the ice? I just don't get it. Like, before this offseason, it was safe to say this team was defensively was built with strong puck-moving defensemen that can skate. 
Totally. Now you saw, like, again, obviously Brad Tree Living is on board with this because he just switched out TJ Brody for... For Chris Tanev. For Chris Tanev. Which, I mean, like, Tanev suits this model perfectly, right? Exactly. Like he's a big shot blocker. He's a guy who's going to be able to prevent quality chances in the defensive zone as opposed to move the puck up the ice, so... So my question to you, is Chris Tanev enough to prevent the Dallas Stars from actually... Absolutely tilting the ice and dominating us in our own end if chris is, is tanev one guy and, enough i don't think if chris tanev and jacob markstrom are on your team against the stars do you still win i don't think you do no because i mean talbot was outside of game six where funnily enough the team actually played their best game outside of game six talbot was out of his out of his skull like i think if you put jacob markstrom in there who played very well in the playoffs too like I don't think the 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 increase or drop off would be that much different. So, like, I still don't think you'd beat the Dallas Stars. So if you're gonna play this way and say it's because this is gonna what's make us win in the playoffs, I don't know if I agree with that at yeah. all. And I know like our biggest concern is like we we think that both the GM and obviously the head coach are looking at something and calling it white when it's actually black. And it's like from all other areas like. Do they look at metrics? Like, do they do they lean on Chris Snow enough? Um, well, again, the other thing too is like that I kind of mentioned previously is like, okay, well, what did the Lightning do, right? Like, they acquired, they made their team better. Yeah. Did they, they dress their needs? Did they stay the same and say, okay, it's a problem with the system? No, they brought in guys like Blake Coleman, Barclay Goudreau. They made their team better. They brought in the players instead of relying on players to execute a system that doesn't. They didn't just go say to like, and again, like they have pieces that they can play that way with. Braden Point being the main one, Anthony Sorelli. Like, I mean, Nikita Kucherov is no slouch in his own zone. So, I I just don't think that compare. I I think it's it's a it's a false equivalency for Jeff Ward to say, oh, John Cooper just got his guys to be more hard to play against. Therefore, they won the Stanley Cup. It's like. It what are just, you talking about, the, dude? The thing to really drive this point home for home for me is just like it blows my mind that you're going to take an 82 game measurement, yeah, where you were unbelievable in all metrics along across the board, and say, yeah, you know what? Just if, when you compare that to a week long measurement of losing five playoff game or four playoff games in five games, it's kind of like you're just going to throw out the entire 82 game season and be like, well, because that didn't work in this, you know, a stretch of one week, we got to completely rewrite our style. Yeah, exactly. Like Francis says here, um, he believes Ward believes an increased focus on preventing goals will lead to scoring even more of them. Like that's guy, completely opposite. Dude. Does he, this guy belong in a nut house? Like, I, <laughs> I don't understand if you want to score more goals, do what you did. In 2018-19 because you prevented more goals. Well, again, I think that's he's like this is getting too old school. Like he's falling prey. Like again, this was like this is like he's becoming a mix of Gulletson and Hartley. Like because that was Hartley's main focus, right? Is like prevent goals. Who cares about possession? Who cares about moving the puck up the ice? Just block every shot. Try to like who cares about anything else? Like the only thing is to protect the net and rely on your goaltender. Like the fact that this is trending in that direction is very concerning to me. And again, it's just like you're talking about two sides of your mouth because you're saying this one thing, and yeah. then you're also saying we're gonna play just like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay doesn't do this. 
right? Like, no, Tampa Bay doesn't do that because, okay, that's the other thing I wanted to get into is, okay, how does Tampa Bay actually play? There's a great article up on the coach's site talking about how the, the Lightning de- deploy this 1-1-3 in the neutral zone. And, I mean, I've just been doing some reading on this, and it's it's kind of a revamp style of a 1-2-2 in the neutral zone, but the most famous practitioner of this is Barry Trotz, and it helped the Capitals win the Cup, and it's helped the Islanders contend somehow, even with their absolute shit roster, losing John Tavares, they've still been a contender, right? Yeah. So basically what they're saying is, like, if you use this 1-1-3 like the Lightning do... Just in the neutral zone. In the neutral zone. It can be really effective if you're looking to control the neutral zone and right. deny the blue line. And obviously... Do the Flames coach- deny the blue line? No. And obviously these coaches... Right, they. Bl- this is what you have to do. You can't rely on one era of hockey. Right, that's kind of what Jeff Ward's doing. It's kind of like the problem with Daryl Sutter at the time. Right. Yeah. These guys are blending eras of hockey. John Cooper, Trotz. It's like they sure they play a what was it? What do you call it? One three two. One one three. A one one three in the neutral zone, which was more of a defensive structure. But it's not like they're playing trap all night long. Yeah. When well, they get the puck in their own in their own end, they got a great transition game, right? And it's not exactly. like they're just dumping the puck in and then hoping to get chances every once in a while and beat them in the cycle game. Like they they're combining all these different areas of areas of system. Well, and the thing that Tampa does so well playing this one one three that they've kind of started to employ is that they are able to strike back on the offense so quickly, right? Yeah. Like it's not like they're just playing it playing this neutral zone trap and denying the blue line. And then just dumping it in when they get the and puck. And just dumping again. it in, right? Like they're owning the neutral zone and then like striking with offense off of that. Right. And like I think that's they're... what's so weird to me is this disconnect is like, okay, the Flames are a tire fire in the neutral zone, both in terms of defending and offending. Offending, is that the word? Offend, yeah. Attacking yeah. this year. They didn't deny the blue line. Like this, if this is the system that everyone thinks Ward is going to implement to copy the Lightning, like I didn't see them do that in the playoffs at all. In fact, it was like a tire fire in the playoffs. Yeah, they, they, dude, they had, it was like the neutral zone was. It was green light for Dallas to just walk, like, and again, like, that's what I don't understand, because everyone's like, oh, he implemented this system that stifled Dallas in the neutral zone. It's like, I, I mean, from what I watched, I watched Dallas destroy the Flames through the neutral zone and enter the zone whenever they wanted and control the puck whenever they wanted. Which is also what the metrics tell you. So, I mean, if you're going to copy Tampa Bay, like. <laughs> it's almost as if Tampa Bay made that alteration in their neutral zone game to increase their offense. Right? Instead of just sense. focus on stopping chances. Like, I mean, it's a forechecking strategy. It's not just like a defensive stifle team strategy. It's a forechecking strategy too. So, again, if Jeff Ford's going to focus on the forecheck and he's going to employ this Tampa Bay-like system, like, he's got some work to do because – Shit, bro, it did not work against Dallas. And yeah. the fact that they keep referencing, like, the most concerning part of this article to me was that Ward said, we want to play exactly like we played in the playoffs. Yeah. What? Like, I'm sorry, you got, you beat the Winnipeg Jets because they were a skeleton crew. Yep. Decimated. But the Flames still played all right. But, I mean, the Dallas Stars destroyed you. If that's how you're going to play, if that's how you want to play exactly, that's how you want to play, you want to deploy Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan in the defensive zone and have them get hemmed in their own zone all night, 
and then have one line carry the the entire team, I mean, I don't think that's going to set you up for much success next year. Being your third line, by the way? Being the Milan Lucic line, for Christ's sake? <laughs> Come on! And again, so, if they want to play that way, why didn't they fucking sign Barry Trotz two years ago? I think where we stand right now is what we saw under eight um, season 2018-19. It's our firm belief that that's the style, that's the system of play that works for the group that you have. And there's just because you got punked by the Colorado Avalanche, Eric Francis asked Coach Bednar in the start of uh, this past season, how how come you you know you beat the Flames so easily? He said we knew they were an excellent transition team and we we stopped it. So instead of becoming a better transition team, Bill Peters and now Coach Ward say, well, no, we just got to be a better defensive team. If well, and also too, not addressing the needs of the team in terms of personnel, right? And the thing that that is a kicker for me is like you weren't better defensively. You exactly. were better. You were better defensively in eighteen nineteen than you were in nineteen twenty. And here's... that's what blows my mind about all this shit so much is like for all the talk, for all the emphasis on how they were going to be better defensive team this year, about how they can't play that way because they can't get away with it because of a five game shellacking by Nathan McKidding entering God mode, and yep. and Jared Bednar out coaching Peters. You're going to just completely fuck your whole system. They sucked defensively this year. Here's your um, expected goals against just for the two seasons as a whole. So in 18-19, it was uh, 2.42. So I'm not sure exactly where the league average is, but they were underneath um, league average, which is a good thing. You're lower than league average. That's from hockey viz. That's the hockey viz model, right? Yeah. Under, yeah, so- under 5% under average. And then last season, so they went from ex- expected goals against being 2.42 to 2.59, which is now well below average in the opposite end of things, on the bad side of things. So you went from being better than average to being below average. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Yet you're saying at the same time that you got better defensively right? and your team is well on their way to success. Yeah, it just doesn't. Had, your team had success. Yeah, you broke or you tied a franchise record. You were up in the league with the Tampa Bay Lightning back then, but yet now you want to change and be more like Tampa Bay. I just don't understand it. None of these things, the dots do not connect. Well, and the thing is too, like we we hear this, we hear this kind of um, in defense of Jeff Ward, and again, like you, you can't deny the team was better under him. But everyone says, oh, look at the expected goal or the goal differential. If you track the expected goals uh, for over time, they shot up when Jeff Ward took over. In February, they were they were creating tons of offense. But they were also, what also shot up was the expected goals against. They were allowing a ton of chances as well. So this is Weren't the they like that- around 500 in, in February? It's not like they were winning all their games. No, remember they had that big winning streak, and then they they were kind of, kind of up and down a little bit. But they were definitely winning more than they were losing. But I think here's the thing: if you look, if you track Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, Michael Backlund specifically, if you track their offensive creation, how are they how they were creating scoring chances? All of three of those guys' expected goal rates shot up at the same time. The team goal rates shot up. Yeah. 
And then you factor in the fact that Cam Talbot played so well down the stretch. Like, I, I really think those are two confounding factors into why the team had so much success. I just, I like, I really do think it was Gaudreau, Monahan, Backlund all regressing back to yep. career average exactly. and being a lot better offensively. And then you had Cam Talbot playing pretty well. It's not like these guys could have got any worse. Yeah, so like I, I just like I don't buy the possibility. You for them can't to get worse. make the argument anyway that when Jeff Ward took over, this team became better defensively because they didn't no. by any metric. And even if you just watch the games, I don't think I don't think you can say like if again, did anybody watch the Dallas series? Anybody? How can Eric Fred? How can you print this in an article and say that the Calgary Flames were markedly better defensively in the playoffs? Like, did you watch them get outshot? by an insane margin and allow 50 shots a game against Dallas? I did. Yeah. And I was like, this is terrible. And the biggest thing is like, it'd be one thing if the team wasn't so good in 18-19 and you didn't yeah, know, right? and you didn't actually know what the solution was to make right? this and you, team you guys good. probably think we're fucking nuts always talking about 18-19, but it's like the template's there. You were so goddamn good. And now all you ever hear is talk about how you can you don't want to do that. Well, and here's it's just to me, it just makes logical sense. If you have a template that bred you unbelievable success, the best that the franchise has ever done in a regular season before, and you want to, and you think there's still some issue with it, don't you just tweak it a bit? You're going to completely change your template, right? I don't understand well, I mean, that. Yeah, and it, the the fallacy of we just need Monahan and Gaudreau to commit to defense is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. In this article, would, would you say that to Connor McDavid? Would you say that the only thing holding the Oilers back is that Connor McDavid isn't very good in his own zone? Fuck no. It's because their team sucks. Regardless of how bad he is in his own zone, he's always going to score more, twice as many goals because he's that good offensively than he's going to allow. And again, if you want to play this way, go out and get the guys who can be successful at playing this way. No? Does that not make sense? In the article, he says he believes an increased focus on preventing goals will lead to a scoring even more of them, but the year prior, focusing on increasing goals will lead to preventing more. The statistics... That's just, that's just a fucking word salad, bro. What he's saying is that if they if they focus on defense, they'll score more goals. Yet, the, obvi- the ob- opposite was true the year prior. By working on scoring more goals, increasing your transition game, you prevented more. So what they, I want to—they were wanna better see. defensively yeah. when they were so good offensively than last year when they sucked offensively. They were worse defensively. Like none of this stuff makes sense. So what I'm curious about now is like again, like I—I I don't think this style of play fits the team where they're emphasizing just like because again we've seen it with Gullitson, right? Like we. Like, how frustrating was that 17, 18 year to watch? It was like you had such a good team, but they just could never get anything going, and it was like the system was holding them back so much. Um, so, I mean, if the Flames are going to run this system where it's like, okay, a defensive system that's focused on limiting quality chances against and relying on Markstrom to stop the chances you do allow, and I guess it maybe, again, I'm kind of reading between the lines because when he's saying we're going to copy what Tampa's doing, I'm kind of thinking, okay, maybe they're going to employ this like 1-1-3 style in the neutral zone. Okay, we could get behind that. Like that Barry Trotz is, like if you're going to employ this Barry Trotz style 1-1-3 and Jacob Markstrom can be really good and maybe Chris Tanev can 
help your defense in the defensive zone maybe it can work i'm trying to talk myself into it like i i don't know i like it when you look at the teams that do employ this system dallas the islanders and um the tampa bay lightning i don't know i just don't see a lot of similarities between the personnel that are on those three teams that are on the flames totally agree so i don't know yeah like and, are we just it, gonna be the islanders now is that where we're gonna be well can we get barry trotz I if, mean, we're, if we're going to be the Islanders, can we do it with Barry Trotz? You'd think that if they wanted to play this way, they would have signed him when he was available. Speaking of the Islanders, um, let's do a little plug here. There's another... Um, so how this Hockey Podcast Network works, what are they doing? Two teams or two podcasts per team? They do like a bunch of different podcasts per team. There's lots of content on every different team. So depending, you as the listener, if you're just a Flames fan or you're a hockey fan... Um, check out, here's a little ad for these guys. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue-colored glasses from an Islander bobo and charter member of the Inlui Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Okay, the grumpy old man, that guy sounds kind of interesting. Um, I, want, grumpy, I, I wonder what they think of the Islanders' um, new jerseys. <laughs> the, the new uh, reverse retros where they just literally switched two stripes. And if you were – like, I wouldn't even notice a difference. And I'm I'm a hockey fan, so there's like no one in the world is going to notice the difference of this jersey. Again, like we said, it's a nice-looking jersey, but it's not reverse and it's not retro. What the fuck are you doing? And have you seen all the mock-ups of, like, the Fisherman jersey? It looks sweet. Dude, they could have totally revamped that. They could have nailed amazing. that out of the park, dude. Ugh. Anyways, right. unless we have Barry Trotz, like, again, I, I, I'm willing to give Jeff Ward a chance here. But, I mean, when every time he seems to be interviewed and he's saying stuff like this, and to be fair, in the article later, he does say that they want to transition quickly to the— But, again, like— I don't know. Like, I, I wish somebody would just interview him. Like, I, this is one kind of one of my pet peeves in just like media and questioning in general. Is like, I don't know why nobody ever asks about the specifics. Because I mean, like, I'm. I always want to know about like, okay, well, how does the team play in the defensive zone? How are they breaking out? What what are the strategies? What different tactics are they using? And I mean, I you always kind of have to rely on what you're watching. Well, to get that information, and I mean, if thing. you don't know a ton about hockey, like if you didn't play hockey growing up, it's really hard to discern exactly what's going on. So I don't know why nobody ever asked. Can you please outline exactly what you're doing in the defensive zone, in the offensive zone? Like, why doesn't anybody ever ask that? Because all this talk about it's just nebulous. It's like we're not going to be a straight defensive team. When we have the puck, we want to transition quickly to the offensive side and try to score. Yeah, I mean that's generally the goal of hockey. No. Score more goals than your opponent. Like that's the that's the most is pretty obvious, right? Yeah, that's the most empty statement I've ever heard in my life. 
And like, why don't any of these journalists ask the coaching staff or whoever it is about some of the metrics? They can just say, look, according to some, you know, statistic metrics, you actually weren't as good defensively as you were when you were so good offensively. Yeah, like, why doesn't anybody ask that? It's like, why do you think that is? What's Jeff Ward going to do? He's going to pull that thing where he just looks at the camera with his mouth open and makes a fucking uh noise? So, like, I, I just... <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that? They uh, asked him about, What did they ask him? Something about Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, it was like, it was kind of, it was shades of Pierre Dorian when they asked, like, Pierre, oh, what's the what's good about your team? He's like, oh, well, we're a team. Jeff Ward just, like, is staring into space, wondering what is the existence of life, if it's all worth it. So but, I mean, there, I don't know, there, man. Like There are some good aspects to this article. Let's get to them. Yeah, like, I mean, he mentions He's, the transition, he says, but again, I wish he would be more specific. Yeah, well, I guess we have to wait and see what they're going to do. Like, the, the what we saw last year, the biggest difference for us is that you did not have any transition. Instead, like, the year prior under Bill Peters, as soon as a D-man even got near to a puck, he was already starting to head up to the ice. Yeah, like Johnny Gaudreau specifically. There was no waiting. They just knew. It was their mindset as soon as they got puck possession they were turning up the ice quick fast they wanted to make the other team um, try and react to what they were doing now what you saw last season and i hope to god we don't see this anymore as soon as the deep men are about to get the puck whatever they they're like okay my first thing i want to do is stop stand and look around i'm not going to move my feet at all i'm just going to stay in this one place and from here we're going to try to do this stupid set breakout yeah that where the the forwards now fly the zone. There's no support coming out of your D zone. Keep in mind now the defenseman's still on his own end. He's waiting for a forward to go up around the red line or sometimes just inside of the far blue line. And then they sit on the boards, try to get to an open space. So easy to defend. And right. then they just hammer the puck up to these guys. If by chance they make it to him, they just try and chip it around the defenseman. Sometimes they just go and change, let the, the team come back right up the ice with the puck again. Well, and I think the other thing too that that um, that doesn't suit Goudreau's strength because that's later in the article. Uh, Ward talks about wanting to play to Goudreau's strengths as a player, but I mean, does he realize his strengths as a player? Because when I kind of look, and again, like I watched, so, I referenced the eighteen nineteen season just because I watched so much of it. I watched every game, like I watched every second of the eighteen nineteen year. Because yeah. it was so fun to watch, right? It's amazing. So it's like I do. It is a it is a point of reference that I reference a lot, just because I know what was going on a lot. Like when you watch how Gaudreau created offense off the rush, specifically that year, like a lot of it wasn't from like an organized breakout, right? It wasn't like oh, we're gonna wait and get set and we're gonna all break out as a unit. It was just him like letting skill take over and like kind of just like find sneaking behind the D and making plays with his offensive instinct. And I think that's one thing that kind of gets lost in a lot of this this talk about, like, defense first is, like, when you're trying to get a guy like Johnny Gaudreau to, like, I don't know, like, when I look at Johnny Gaudreau, it's like, he thinks the game at such an elite level, just let him play offensively, like, let his instincts take over, yeah. right? And I, I think, because I've been, I've been, during the break, like, I've been fucking watching all kinds of old shit, and there's a lot of old games even, like, like, when he was just breaking into the league, like in the Vancouver series that they won, it was like, holy shit, is he good? He's just buzzing all the time. And it just seemed like he had, it wasn't confidence, but it's like he was just making plays with seeming, seemingly with ease. Yeah. Right? Lot, like he was just doing what he does. 
offensive players, they vary. Some players, um, they make their bread and butter is like below the faceoff dot to behind the net, right? Yeah. But Johnny Gaudreau, where he makes crates, all his offense is between the red line and the top of the hash marks. He doesn't create his, his offense below that. He's creating and opening up and making all his opportunities. When he gets the puck around the red line and he starts to weave and bob his way into the zone, he's already pulling guys toward him, making space for him to dish the puck. Um, or he might just cut to the center of the ice. It's like in that area is where Johnny Gaudreau makes his living essentially. So to take that away from him, to get that, to force that the whole team and it's, and even that line to dump the puck in and expect him to go chase it. Have you seen Johnny Gaudreau win one chasing battle? He literally, if he dumps the puck into his own corner, He'll wait till the D-man picks the puck up before he tries to stick check him. You're not like these these D-men are like six five and they're quick mobile guys. They got long sticks. You're, Johnny Gaudreau is not gonna unless he like Paolo Datsu could do it, but Johnny Gaudreau is, is right. not good at stick checking. He's not good at body checking. He's like hundred and fifty goddamn pounds. Living off Skittles. Like, what do you expect? We should do a whole episode where we talk just about how Gaudreau needs to fix his nutrition and he would be so much better. Yeah. Like, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, we're both... You and I are both well-versed on nutrition. Let's get him hooked up here. Get off the Skittles, Johnny. Get off the Rolos. Get off the Rolos. Get off the Skittles. Get off the Reese's Pieces. Get some good collagen protein into your diet. Get some herbs in there, some strength-building herbs, and let's fucking go, bro. His pregame snacks, just like Skittles and Rolos. <laughs> <laughs> no, I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure it is, actually. So, Ward, and here's the thing is, like, I want to I wanna look at this and see what he's saying and be, like, get excited about it, but at the same time, it's like, I know what he's really saying. Anyways, he says, we're not going to be a straight defensive team. Oh, thank yeah. God, because oh, that, didn't, that did not work. When we have the puck, we want to transition quickly to the offensive side and try and score. Okay, well, I mean, that's all you did when you finished first in the West. So thank you for hopefully reviving that. We'll see how it works because all we saw was a lot of dump and chase for most of the season. Yeah, and I mean, again, I'm really expecting a bounce back here from Gaudreau specifically because, like, I mean, he was so for half this season was so awful so i again like we talked about him just bouncing back in the second half led to a lot of this team's success yeah but i mean i just i i worry that this team is gonna fall like the same pitfalls that befell them in the playoffs if they're gonna continue to play like that like the most again the most alarming part of what jeff ward has said recently is that he wants to play exactly like he did in the playoffs like get the fuck out of here you don't want to i don't want to watch that (laughs) you're gonna get smoked every night if you're gonna play like that Listen, you're just gonna you're just gonna let teams do what they want and hope Markstrom is unreal. That's what you're gonna do. That's not gonna work. You want to play a style of game that, by any measurement, is not sustainable. You want to play an entire season like that. Like, that's never like, gonna work, Jeffrey. You're, Jeffrey. You're, re- you're relying on the the prowess of the Sam Bennett, Dylan Dubé, Milan Lucic line to dominate teams which is only really doable in a short duration you can't do it over an 82 game season physically yeah. speaking um and hot goaltending like that's exactly how you want to play in the playoffs please like no please no please god no don't play like that so there's two aspects here there's he's saying something another thing he that i like what he's saying here is that we want to do an awful lot of things early with our line rush and encourage our defensemen to get more on the rush yes and defensively please. in transition because 
you absolutely weren't doing that at all. No, not at all. Like not even a little bit. Like again, how much? And that's again going back to what Bill Peters. One of the best things Bill Peters, his best tactics, yeah. was getting the defense involved and having a ton of offense coming from the defense. Yeah. That's one of my fa- again one of my favorite things about how Bill Peters had this team play that year, and his years in Carolina too was that offense coming from the defense. And again, I think that helps Gaudreau's game a lot too because there's so much more. When Johnny Gaudreau is carrying the puck on a rush and the D are active, that is a deadly combination of things going on. When you have four Calgary Flames coming up the ice and Johnny Gaudreau has the puck, like there's no way in hell he's not going to be able to make a play to somebody, right? Yeah. Like here's, so here's the, the D thing. needs to be way more active, the period. More- hundred percent. Like you heard it last year. People were like, Oh, the D aren't joining the rush anymore. Cause there was no rush last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like coming back to this, you know, merging different eras of systems, it's like if your number one greatest thing that Bill Peters brought to this club, which apparently suits the style of players that you have to a T is the transition game from defense to offense through the neutral zone. Don't change that. Keep that. If you have a problem with how you are defensively, then obviously you got to work on the defensive side of the neutral zone. Like, I don't understand how... If team defense is your weakness, why are you changing your offensive transition game? Exactly. Shouldn't you just change your defensive systems? Why are you changing your offensive systems to try and become a better defensive team? Because that's that's what Bill Peters did, and that's what Jeff Ward carried on. There, there, we had zero transition game from defense to offense. I don't understand how that makes you a better defensive team. Here's the biggest. Here, here's something to focus on if you want to focus on defense. Fix the goddamn ease in which you allow other teams uh, zone entries because that was the major problem against the Avalanche, and that was a huge problem last year and, again, on, on display in the playoffs, is you let teams just walk into your own zone and, like, control set up. And like, this is the and Flames this is our, were one of the worst teams in terms of allowing controlled zone entries this year. Fix this, that. Why don't you and, fix that? And this is our problem with Bill Peters, or not Bill Peters, Jeff Ward. What he's saying, because what he's saying is that in eighteen nineteen, you saw what happened when they tried to be a scoring team, meaning they got decimated in the playoffs against the Avalanche. But like you just said then why didn't you do something better defensively against the Avalanche, like shut down their transition game? Why didn't you do to them defensively what they were doing to you while continuing to do different things offensively that might work better? Right, like if it's a, if it's a I don't know, if it's a, oh, we need to play better defense, then fix your defense. Like, I don't get this, like, we need to play better defense, therefore we're going to abandon our entire offensive system. That makes like, no, that has never made any fucking sense to me. De- logically, just because you're like, okay, we're going to score more goals and that'll lead to better defense. I don't understand how, how why why you, why do they even go together anyways? Yeah, like that's such an abstract, again, like that's what kind of bugs me when coaches talk. And again, I wish people would ask them more specific questions, but it's like, that's, that's what you're going to say. Like you're an NHL head coach and you're going to say, well, if we defend better, it's going to lead to more goals. So coming back to this series against the Avalanche, because that's really when all this shifted. That's when the style of play was completely revamped. Why didn't Bill Peters, right? Because what we were doing, we were trying to figure out, okay, well, if Bednar is going to shut down your transition game, instead of doing this stupid thing now where the D-men are stationary and they fire a puck up the boards and then the forwards try and chip it in, instead of doing that, 
why don't you just reverse the tactic and do exactly to them what they're doing to you? Why didn't Bill Peters look at the game take and be like, okay, we can't get out of our own end. They're stifling us in the neutral zone. When they get the puck, they're transitioning real quick. Like, why didn't they look at the tape and see what was Colorado doing in the neutral zone defensively? And instead of, like, worrying about changing your offensive game, just do exactly what they did defensively. We should go back and watch game tape of what, how was the Avalanche um, setting up in the neutral zone in that series? And then, like, why didn't Bill Peters just do that to them? Yeah, I don't Because if you're looking at your weakness, your weakness wasn't scoring goals. Your weakness was you're spending the entire game, the entire game in your defensive end. It's like very similar to what we saw with Dallas. Yeah, exactly. And again, that's that's the that's part of the game that like Jeff Ward that concerns me that everybody's like saying, "Oh, that's such a good thing." Is like his focus is on not allowing quality shots. Again, similar to Glenn Gulletson is like letting the team control in the zone, but just kind of like protecting the net. Our point is, look, we don't disagree that you need to focus on defense. Yeah, but, but the point is, like is that this. you don't do it at the expense of not being great at offense anymore. Well, yeah, exactly. Do both. Like and I mean, again, if, if you want to look, if you want to look at what Tampa Bay did, the changes yeah, exactly. they made, that's yeah. all they did. They're still great. They got better at defense while still being great at offense. Instead of Jeff Ward wants to say we're going to be mediocre at offense, but we're going to be great defensively, and offense will come. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. That's so again. That's like amateur shit right there, man. Right? He does say here, we're going to work on our quickness through the neutral zone and what we want to do offensively, which is, well, you're just going to be more like you were the year before when you said it didn't work. So, yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm so confused because he's saying... Yeah, I know. What he's talking worked, on both sides of his mouth. He's saying what worked didn't, but we're going to try and do that some more. And what doesn't work, we're going to start doing, but we're going to do it less. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, again, like... I mean, maybe I, it's because he's a math teacher that he, you know, has his always... He simplifies. He, he always he, has to simplify. You know what it is? It's, you know, the, the X has to always be equal to the Z or whatever, some shit. Yeah. Like, both sides of the equation. I don't know what it is. Anyways. He's, he's doing some algebra, exactly. He's got to, yeah. He's got to balance the equation. But, I mean, okay, like, look, we talk about Jeff Ward and systems a lot on this show just because I don't think a lot of other people address these things. So, like, I don't want this to come across as, like, this fucking idiot is going to fuck everything up. If Jeff Ward does what he says he's going to do and, like, implements this Tampa Bay Lightning, like, maybe this Barry Trotz Tampa Bay Lightning one one three, that maybe can allow some more skill forwards to move through the neutral zone better and, like, attack off the— Like, if, if you're stopping the other team's attack in the neutral zone and then putting it back into their own zone like Tampa Bay does, maybe that can work, you know? Yeah. So I and hope I, that can work. And I think, it, it, like— Again, coming back to this point is like, if you look at eighteen nineteen, did you really need to change much? You probably just needed a few little tweaks. Yeah, they they changed hey. they changed too much. Yeah, exactly. And again, like if you add a Blake Coleman to your team, like the Lightning did, and again maybe right. the maybe the maybe the acquisitions this year will prove to be enough. But I mean, you're, I I keep saying this like, not that I if if you added. If you did what the Lightning did or even one thing this year, like you're telling me the Flames aren't like a contending team if they add JT Miller or exactly. Blake Coleman or Tyler Toffoli, get the fuck out of here. Like, that would be, you're coming, like you would be an absolute contender. Yep. So, I mean, again, yeah. like this team is, that's what's so frustrating is this team is so close and it's like they seem to be doing everything in their power 
to not play to this team's strengths and go in the opposite direction when it's like, you're right there. Just do a few things and you can win the Stanley Cup. You're so goddamn close. Again, if you want to be more like Tampa Bay, then just amp your personnel. That's all they really did is they changed their personnel. If you want to be more like Tampa Bay, go offer she Anthony Sorelli, Brad. Get some Tampa players. Maybe maybe instead of re, re, uh, signing the entire Vancouver Canucks team, <laughs> sign the entire Tampa Bay team. Right? Like, why didn't he go after Chernak and, like, offer sheet Sorelli and get Tyler Johnson? Like, go do that. Copy them instead. All right. He also goes on to um, talking about Johnny. I don't know. I think he might be on the right track. He's maybe sniffing up the right tree there. In terms of Johnny sniffing needs up the right tree, barking up the right tree, sniffing up the right whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. But he's kind of saying that Johnny might need his own style of right. You can't really plug him into one system. It's maybe that's kind of what it sounds like he's doing. Is what we've been saying, anyways, right? He's got to be able to let Johnny needs the green light offensively. Yeah. So whatever you do, if you want him to focus on defense, you can't take away that green light because. Well, you saw what happens. Yeah, it's not going to work. And again, like, the the crux of this argument that I think just falls the most flat is when you're saying we need our top guys to commit to defense. It was like, again, like I said, it's a great sentiment, but in practice, it's not going to work. I think, like, the neutral zone is key defensively. Yeah. But please, like, go back to what worked in 1819. Like, why Just would you do it? Why would you ever look at that season and be like, that was bad? I just, <laughs> I just don't, I don't get that. How can, how could you look at that season, the success you had in the regular season, and just completely throw that out just because you got pumped in the, in the first round of the playoffs? Like, you obviously, you got to address what went wrong, but man. To completely change the entire script. The mistake. Anyways, wrapping up on Jeff Ward as a whole, like I'm concerned. I know going into the season, he Jeff Ward is my biggest concern for this team. Um, even more so than Bradshaw Living at this point, which he that's Bradshaw Living's choice, so maybe that's backwards. Maybe Bradshaw Living is the problem, but um, just some of his personal decisions last year. I don't think those are going to change much. His in-game yeah. decisions, right? Who he has out in the last, you know, ninety seconds when you need it. Like we have that pitcher. <laughs> that pitcher says a thousand words, right? Against you got, LA, you got a pitcher of Johnny and Monty on the bench <laughs> during a break in play with was it four seconds left on the clock, yep. and they're just sitting there like watching the goalie play. pulled. Like, Goalie pulled, you had a chance to call no timeout called. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, here's where like fuck, dude. That 18-19 year was like a was like a uh a, a what? A, a a pond in a fucking desert. Because we had previously like I do think that 17 this is where this is why we have such a hang up about this, is because the 17-18 team was so good. You had such a good team that year. You had Prime Gaudreau, Prime Monahan. The 3M line was fucking rocking and rolling. 
You had the best defense, top four defense in the entire league, in my opinion. You still had Ham- um, Hamilton, Hamilton, Gio, yeah. Brody, Hamannick. Mike Smith was awesome, and Glenn Gullison and his dumb fucking system fucked everything up. So that's why I have such a hang-up about, like, okay, how are they going to play? Because I've, I've seen them, with good personnel, have a bad year. Yeah. And good performances. Like, Goudreau was great that year. Smith was great that year. Geo was good that year. Hamilton. Like, Dougie Hamilton probably should have been a Norris contender that year. And they didn't make the playoffs. And it was unwatchable just because of what the coach was have, how the coach was having them play. And it, it wasn't all the coach, but a huge portion of it was. So that's why I'm so hung up on, like, hey, how are they going to play? Because I think that is such a big factor. Yeah. Oh, man. My definitely my biggest concern for all the reasons we already stated, like I don't know, him and Tree Living's their assessment of this team just does not jive with what we see, um, either just from the eyeball test or from looking at the numbers. Like when he comes out and says, We want to play like we did exactly in the playoffs, here's your here's some underlying metrics for the playoffs. Your winning percentage was five hundred. Your Corsi four was <laughs> Uh, forty-seven point eight zero. The the averages would be five hundred, and they placed seventeenth out of twenty-four teams for Corsi four. Expected goals for was fourteenth out of twenty-four teams. Uh, expect uh, goals for percentage was twelfth. Yeah, not good. Shooting twelfth. Save percentage even that was only eleventh. Like across yeah. the board, for many underlying metrics. Like, the thing that I saw in the playoffs, you had exceptional individual performances that gave you chances to win games, and that's all you had. Yeah, exactly. And, like, again, like, everybody – like, the argument that comes up is like, oh, you were one game away from being up 3-1 to on the team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yes, because Cam Talbot played out of his mind. And And Dylan Dubé. Sam Bennett and Dylan Dubé and Milan Lucic were good. That's why. That's how you won two games. <laughs> right. Like, it, it wasn't smoked. It wasn't. Be, like, look at the, all these these metrics. Like, from a team standpoint, you were well below average. Yeah. So, it's because these individuals had these exceptional performances. It gave you the, the illusion that you were in this series when, really, we got fucking dominated. Yeah, it was a total illusion. Total smokescreen. Hey, was it exciting to watch? Yes, no, I was stressful I, as shit. I was, you know, when like watching Sam Bennett and Dylan Dubé, like my god. Yeah, that was fun. That was whew, almost sexual. How good that was, <laughs> Dubé for sure. My god, oh man. But you know that one game, I almost had a heart attack when they actually lost. Like the last eight minutes, you want to know why it was so? Oh, the five four game when they lost in overtime. That was it, I almost died that night. Why? Because you spent the last eight minutes getting absolutely dominated trying to hang on for dear life to a one-goal lead. It was like some sort of weird medieval torture death. It's like, you know, <laughs> when they stopped just torturing people and just killing them humanely? Not humanely, but I mean, like, as opposed to, like, the guillotine where you're just dead. It was like some weird medieval, like, torture session for ten minutes. It was like, oh my god, you know Dallas is going to score. Yeah, they just keep coming and coming. It's like there was... Like you said, there was no fortress. There's no barricade on that blue line. They just come on in. Green light. 
anyways, what are we going to do? We're going to do some more shows this week, another show. We'll see. We'll do some fun shit. But, I mean, like, again, like, every time Jeff Ward talks, I'm like, oh, man. I get more scared, dude. Like, I don't yeah. understand. You know, I go through those numbers there, and you're looking at the regular seat, the playoffs. If you take all the, you know, the ups and downs, the excitement out of it, like, that wasn't a successful measurement. Like, they did well against Winnipeg, who... Listen, going into that series, everybody said it's going to come down to goaltending. And if Hellebuck is great, then the Jets might win, but he wasn't. I mean, did they were they great against the Jets? No. They played just well enough to beat a team who had a lot of injuries, right? Yeah. And then again, like you said, some key great performances. Dubé and Bennett and Lucic were awesome. I thought Anderson and Hannafin were good, and Talbot was good. That's why you won. It so, wasn't really because of anything systemic as far as I'm concerned. So to wrap this up, like I look at, you know, this whole situation, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to anticipate what we're going to see this next upcoming season, if there is one. And so much of it hinges on Jeff Ward because, and the reason why we know that's true is you saw the juxtaposition between 1890 season and 1920 when literally the only thing that changed outside of, um, you know, the like Hathaway leaving, like I think that was the only switch and Lucic coming in, the only thing that changed was a complete change in system. So if we're trying to anticipate what we're going to see, well, Ward, we're looking at this article and some things scare the hell out of us because he things that he say are excellent and good, they actually aren't aren't they're not um he does have you know he's saying some things in this article where it's like yeah well those are the things we agree with you need to get better at when really all those things are just like well that's how you played in 1819 yeah exactly it's like you don't need to get better at them you just need to go back to doing them again you don't need to rewrite the wheel just use the wheel that brought you like you fucking threw out the back door of the saddle dome in april 2019 so to me, it all comes down, like if I'm trying to predict what's going to happen here, I just like, I don't know what type of coach Jeff Ward is. What type of coach is he? Is he just a player fun guy coach um, that doesn't really get a grasp on all this stuff we've been talking about and the stuff he's talking about in the article? Or did he just kind of want to, you know, try and keep a familiarity all season long so that you know, and they, I don't know, like, what? who's Jeff Ward? What kind of coach is he? Who is had, Jeff Ward? Like, if I, if you had to tell me what type of coach is Jeff Ward, what would you say? I don't know because I don't know. He's like a faceless man right now to me. I don't know. Yeah. And again, like I said, I've been willing to see, but all I can do is judge to what he said and what he's done, and so far it's a no-go for me. If you base on what we've seen from Ward... And I think most of the fam great bases agree, at least on Twitter they do. It's like, this guy's an amateur. Yeah. So and again, totally willing to give him a chance, but I mean, when he keeps coming out and saying shit like that, it's, it's, not, it's not encouraging to me. So, like, I'm hopeful, but shit, dude. Yeah. All right, we're going we're gonna to start ending on a new thing. It's called Edmonton is no good. So oh. every podcast I'm going to end with a fun stat about how Edmonton sucks. Perfect. You like that? I love it. Okay, so today, in 2011, the Flames traded for Steve Steos. 
Do you remember Steve Stales? Oh my God, yep. <laughs> to the Oilers. It was like one of the first, it might have been the second Oilers Flames transaction. Anyways, with the pick the Oilers picked, they picked some guy you've never heard of, Travis Ellenick, at 74th overall. 30 picks later, with their own pick, the Flames selected Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, baby. Thanks, Steve Stales. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Blasphemous. If you haven't already, go and buy your Blasty jersey. Or better yet, buy it for somebody for Christmas instead of being a greedy jersey hoarder. You can check out all of the Hockey Podcast Network podcasts of all the different NHL teams. Thehockeypodcastnetwork.com Follow us on Twitter, In The Dome Pod. Follow us on Instagram. It's just In The Dome. We post lots of cool shit, lots of cool stuff all the time. If you have any questions, you can always find me there because I spend half my life on Instagram. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace, everybody.